right, we're back here with Dr. D's social network, Ben Ivey. Ben, how are you doing today, man? I am doing very well. Thank you so much for having me on the show. I'm really excited to be here. Yeah, no, I'm I'm very happy to have you here. I know a couple times uh, we've, we've been reaching out back and forth to each other to schedule, so I'm glad we finally got some time. Now in the holiday season, how are things shaping up for you in that sense? Yeah, they're doing fantastic. I'm I'm really glad to be here in the UK. Obviously, I haven't traveled as much this year as uh, yeah. as we were meant to, but being able just to be here uh, with my other half, Evelyn, and being able to relax has been lovely. And I'm excited to hopefully uh, spend time with my family this uh, Christmas, given uh, given the second lockdown that the UK is uh, is moving into. Yeah, I just saw that. I thought you guys were just in a lockdown not too long ago. Yeah, so I think that you know, every country is dealing uh, with the COVID challenge in a different way, but I'm just happy that we're both safe and uh, so is my family and that we're still moving things forward. Yeah, for sure. Tell me a little bit about your travel normally. What's your schedule like? Well, I've got to say, Darren, at the beginning of this year, I was feeling rather excited. I uh, I planned my usual trip to China in May. It was uh, probably going to be my favorite one yet. I was going to visit a few cities. So actually, usually uh, for the past four and a half years or so, I've been traveling every month or so to different places. So Los Angeles, the UK and China. Uh, Los Angeles, because uh, Evelyn, my other half, used to be out there. And uh, we were in a long distance relationship. So I'd fly to see her. I would do business in China and then UK was my home. So I had this kind of this triangle that I used to fly through. And then I used to yeah stop off at places on the way to also have a holiday as well. Wow, that's a that's quite the travel schedule there. Like how did did you did that ever get tiring for you? Uh, Yeah, it definitely did. And I think that I had to really dig deep into understanding energy to really move forward. Because when you're traveling through so many different time zones, it's not just like one or two hours, it's like a 15, 16 hour time difference. (laughs) It it gets uh, marginally challenging. I remember flying out in December uh, of last year to China just before all the COVID stuff happened uh, to do a to do a keynote talk, and I had like a, a day also to adjust myself before I'm you know, up on stage with HSBC, and it's it's certainly challenging to be able to do that. But I think your body gets used to it once you've done it uh, for such a long time that it's kind of a routine. Gotcha, gotcha. So tell me a little bit about the nature of your work. I'm fascinated a little bit about what you. Uh, were telling me a little bit through, I think LinkedIn, we were chatting. I would love to get some background on that. Yeah, of course. So I started my entrepreneurial journey at a pretty young age. Uh, When I was thinking back, it actually started when I was around 12 and I was selling chocolate uh, to Ah. fellow students. And believe it or not, we have these things called Freddos. I'm not sure if you've heard of them before. Freddos, what's that? Fredo is like a mini little chocolate bar. Anyway, they they were 10p at the time. I think it's something extortionate, like 25p now. But I was selling them for a healthy 100% profit there for for 20p to these these students. (laughs) And uh, unfortunately, my uh, operation got locked down week three when these 20ps and 10ps just rolled out of my locker at uh, one of the points. And the teacher saw him and was asking uh, why I had so many chocolate Fredo wrappers in my locker because obviously I was eating them too, as as well as uh, all this change. It's pretty funny. So I I certainly started my entrepreneurial journey uh, early on. 
And then from there, I think I started my first proper business uh, when I was at university and I did an, an import and export business selling bags uh, around the UK. So sports bags, uh, American football bags, things like that. And then I went on to a, a different venture out in Silicon Valley where I started a virtual reality app to help people memorize. And that was incredibly fascinating work. But what ended up happening is that uh, I felt like I was starting to burn out and I was really focused on you know, becoming successful because I wanted to be able to be successful and then inspire people. And I ended up losing uh, someone very close to me. It was actually my, my father's suicide. And that just completely shook uh, my world of business. And I, I started to really reevaluate uh, everything that was going on. So it moved me from a place of focused on business to be able to inspire people to really questioning why we do what we do as entrepreneurs. So I ended up quitting my business and then going on this search for many years to kind of figure out, number one, what happened to my dad, but also to figure out why is it that people who seem successful are also incredibly unhappy. And when we look at people like Robin Williams or those that are incredibly successful, but there's something missing, I really wanted to find out what that missing piece was. So I started out in China. I remember living with a neurolinguistic programming master practitioner, so NLP, and I started to get trained in that. I started teaching it. And then I ended up going to all the different self-development events to Tony Robbins, to Annie Harrington, T. Harvecker, all these different uh, gurus as such to really you know, figure out myself and also uh, everything that happened with regards to my dad and entrepreneurship. And, and I just had this thirst of understanding. As the journey went on, I started to help people with, I think productivity was my first one. I remember being in a coffee shop, Darian, and there was about 10 people out in China and I was teaching this productivity course for about two hours. And that's, uh, that's how it all started. And then I moved on to public speaking. I, I started to teach people uh, how to do TED Talks, which was really fascinating. I had a great relationship with some of the TEDx organizers out in China. And then from there, it kind of snowboarded where I started to work with more and more people, especially entrepreneurs, because I felt like I could really relate to the overwhelm and the, the just the, the difficulties that you experience as an entrepreneur, that isolated feeling as the more successful you become, often you have those challenges. And then in around 2017, I had a, I had a guy come up to me uh, called Mark, also the same name as my dad. And he said, can you teach me uh, what you do? And I said, oh, absolutely not. Do you have any idea how long it has taken me <laughs> to learn all these different skills? There's just no way, right? And uh, three months later, I, I said I would. And it took about a year for, for him to get certified. And I, that's that was my first trainer. And I haven't really looked back. So now I, I feel very blessed that I have trainers who I certified to give them you know, coaching and speaking skills and, and help them up-level their business and, and also teach uh, my materials. And then I also work with entrepreneurs uh, from all walks of life to help them be more efficient and up-level their business. So uh, I want to get into the entrepreneurial aspect. I have some questions, but what did you learn about your dad's life uh, through this journey that gave you some ideas about what happened? Sure. Well, I think ultimately when you look into things like suicide, there's often a combination of factors. Very often, and, and I've, I've been very fortunate that I've, I've worked with suicidal people and, and actually helped save them, which has been amazing. But when we look into it, generally speaking, there's relationships and there's finances. And these are the two biggest factors that generally speaking lead people to go on a downward spiral. 
So for myself, when I look into what happened, I think there's a, a combination of factors. Obviously, I saw him the day before and had no idea. And I think it's easy to guess in hindsight of what oh, we think really? it, it could have been. Wow. Yeah, it, it was. Um, yeah, it was pretty crazy. I, I really do relate it to Robin Williams, and that he was absolutely fine, laughing. You know, a, yeah, the most uh, amazing, ridiculous guy incredibly passionate about life and then literally a day later just to disappear it was um it, like i said an incredibly um pivotal moment in my life where i really started to question everything that i was doing wow that seems difficult like one day you you can't tell anything but then the next day they're gone uh, that uh, that's hard to understand and maybe to describe yeah. that you know yeah, most certainly. And when I when I speak about it on stage, it's 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 literally just that. Imagine the people that you care about most in the world, and and the next day they're gone. And I think that it's very difficult to relate to unless you you have been through something like that. Mm -hmm. But ultimately, I think that when we look into our lives and we can turn the most challenging moment of our life into something that serves a more powerful purpose, that's when we really have control of our our future, our past, as well as our present. Yeah, most definitely. You know, in terms of entrepreneurship, obviously, it sounds like you started really young. What was the drive to start that at such a young age? Well, I think to begin with, I just wanted to share chocolate. I think that was really what... what, what <laughs> it's pretty simple, right? Yeah. It, was, yeah. it was a pretty simple aim. But I think as I, as I moved uh, forward, I wanted to be able to really, to begin with, it was money that was driving me. I wanted to be able to make a fortune and then really inspire others. And, and I've come to know this as a, as a term of the, when I have this, then I will addiction. When I have success, then I'll look after my health. Then I'll get a relationship. Mm. Then I'll have work-life balance. And it was something that I, I really struggled with until that pivotal point because it, was, it wasn't as if it was just money that was this like, driving force, but it was, it was very paramount in my mind that I wanted to be able to make the, the millions be financially free and then, and then really give back. And I think that what's been amazing is the gift of actually giving back and inspiring people on my journey as I build up my tools and my resources. And I think that when I look back and I look at that, that drive, I think really it, it was to, to help people. And obviously there's been loads of challenges on the way learning to do it sustainably, but ultimately I feel very blessed that I built a business out of it. So when you're working with people on this, what do you think is the biggest misconception people have about entrepreneurship? That entrepreneurs know what they're doing. I think that <laughs> yeah, entrepreneurs are making it up as they go along. And I think it's very easy when you look at someone who you believe has made it uh, to look at them as if they've got everything together. And I often use an analogy of a swan, right? They look great on the surface, but underneath they're kicking left, right, and center trying to move forward. And I think that yeah, when we look into our entrepreneurs, very much what you see may not be the reality. And what I have found really is that no matter how successful an entrepreneur is or, or unsuccessful, the difference in happiness and the overwhelm and how they do their business is is massive. And, and it always surprises me whenever I speak to entrepreneurs from all walks of life to understand exactly what they're doing and the habits that they have and the systems they have in place to either really set them up for long-term success or it, it's there and causing them to burn out and, and really experience a lot of overwhelm. Do you see that that's a, a large part of the whole burnout thing? Because I think that there's a there's an idea that, you know, you have to work an insane amount of hours or in order to make it. And all. I mean, I'm just interested in your kind of your outlook on that, you know. 
Sure. Well, as a person who's gone to both extremes, I can definitely say which one I prefer. <laughs> and, yeah. Uh, yeah <laughs> when, when I was in Silicon Valley, I, I was doing crazy hours. I mean, 13, 14 hours a day, seven days a week. And I, I genuinely remember, Darian, looking at people having a break on the weekend and thinking, you know, what are they doing? They're lazy. Cause it was genuinely ingrained <laughs> in my mind. Like I, I genuinely mean that. And, and yeah, we can laugh about it now, but at the time I genuinely looked at people having a day off right. on Sunday thinking these are lazy people that never build a wow. business because when you look into the hustle and, and people talk about this so much, I think it's such a shame. I, I think it's important that you understand the balance there. Yeah, it's important to hustle, but I'm such a big advocate of working smart, not hard, because I see far too many entrepreneurs attempting to do the things that they have to do and constantly focusing on getting the work done. And they really miss out on the journey of life. And I definitely experienced this myself when you know, many years ago, I remember making a self-awareness course online and I went on holiday and I was thinking, I've got to finish this. I've got to be able to launch in time and all i remember about this holiday is me doing these bloody videos and attempting to upload them and and i think it's such a shame that i i miss being present and really enjoying it so i'm a huge advocate now of really building that lifestyle as you build your business so that you can really create something that you enjoy on the journey as opposed to it being a burden that you really start to dislike uh, as the years go by is that part of the Silicon Valley culture, though, that it's the expectation of working incredible amount of hours that if you're not doing that, then you're not moving forward? I think that ultimately for me, it had a variety of different um, aspects. When, when I was there, I was working amongst a variety of different entrepreneurs starting out, building things up. And I think that when you're in an environment like that, where there's constantly people working and that is all you're accustomed to, you know, there's all these events, you, you go to these things and, and you're constantly working on the business. There's really no no break from that. And I think that that certainly had a, had a big impact on me when I was uh, starting out. And I think that ultimately being able to just look at something with a different perspective. And I think that the longer you're an entrepreneur, the more you realize, yeah, it's not a bigger deal as we make out. Uh, and very often when we look in, you know, five years down the line, 10 years down the line, often we work ourselves up and get very stressed and, and work far too hard when we probably could have taken a little bit of time off. Do you see that there is a larger shift towards uh, self-care or, I mean, working smarter, not harder. Is that something you see changing in the industry? Well, I think certainly now, because so many people are working from home, it's actually harder to make a divide between this work and and play. And I see a lot of people struggling uh, with it at present. And I, and I certainly struggled. I remember uh, in June thinking, why am I feeling tired and burning out? And I was like, well, because I haven't had a bloody holiday because I'm yeah. like taking my mini breaks, obviously with you know, flights being canceled. Uh, unfortunately, most of those uh, didn't happen. And then I just filled my schedule. So I actually had to actively decide to you know take four days off, take five days off to really reset. And I think that taking those mini breaks is so important to really allow you to have that sustainability as an entrepreneur where you can really just enjoy that journey as you move forward. I mean, what would you say, Darian? Would you agree with that? Yeah, I would agree. I'm definitely in the same boat where like normally I have built in uh, holidays where I'm gone three or four days here or there. And traveling places. And I think that's what's been very difficult for me is having to actually look at my schedule and go, I need to take these other days off here and there just to 
have some peace of mind. But it's hard, like I'm an entrepreneur myself, it's hard when you're just kind of working in your thing all the time to take the time off. It's definitely a challenge, you know? Yeah, I, I certainly agree. And I think being proactive is incredibly important. Like being able to actually have that space. And I recently took on a client and she said, Ben, I'm, I can't take a break off at Christmas. And I said, mm. well, do you want to? She says, yes, but I can't do it. And and I think it's fascinating just seeing the internal conflict of, yeah, I'm going to work through. And I said, okay, work through. And then she goes, well, but I'd love to have a break. And it's so <laughs> funny that it's it's literally like, I'm, it's, it's, it's just unreal. It's like these two different personalities. Take a break. Oh, but I can't. Okay well then don't take a break oh but i want a break and and it's just so mm. funny to just see that internal conflict that people experience because they, they they genuinely aren't sure what their priorities are and i think that that as an entrepreneur that's incredibly important to get right is to figure out what are your priorities right now and how can you make sure that you're looking after kind of the engine of the business especially if you're a solopreneur sure. and starting out and how do you really make it sustainable as opposed to these huge oscillations people go through where they work really, really hard and then they burn out for a few weeks and then get back on the treadmill running as fast as they can. And then, uh, yeah, they fall off a few weeks later. Do you help people with their schedules? Like say, hey, here's let's get some time off here or let's schedule your schedule this way. Is that part of what you do? Well, I think it, it depends on the person, right? So in her example, we looked into you know, scheduling some actual days off and, and once a month, actually giving her time to do the personal things that she keeps putting off. I think especially when you're managing your own business, sometimes the personal tasks, household jewels, things like that, that, that you know you need to do kind of get put behind. So for her, being able to schedule a day has, has worked out really, really well. But ultimately, I think that different entrepreneurs need different things at different times. So when it comes to their efficiency or routines, it's important to give entrepreneurs an understanding of some of the strategies that they need to implement and then for them to figure out what is right for them to do right now so that they can make the steps they need to really do the things that they want to do as opposed to just having the knowledge and not doing anything with it. So what are the what would you say are the biggest strategies that you work on with people and their entrepreneurial endeavors? Sure. Well, I, I think one of the one of the most important things is uh, us not getting in our own way. Um, what, what I mean by that is that very often what an entrepreneur believes is the problem isn't really the problem. And I give you an example. So there was a guy that, that came to me last year called Alex, and he has a, a software development business. And when he came to me, he said, Ben, I see how you market online. I love it. Can you teach me how to do marketing? So I take the call and Darren, I'm not an expert marketer. I mean, if you had seen some of my marketing materials in China, when I first started out, it was as if a child had drawn them. It was terrible. <laughs> I remember designing these things on Photoshop. I had no idea what I'm doing. Genuinely awful. So I'm you know, quite amused, but I take the call because I think it's important just to understand where people are. And within the first few minutes, I realized, yeah, this guy doesn't have a marketing problem. He's a, a bit of a perfectionist. And the reason why he is, is because he's a software developer and it's important to be a perfectionist when you're doing code because you don't want there to be any bugs. Right. But the challenge is when you take that same strategy and you apply it to other areas of your business. So in his case, he was attempting to do loads of marketing, but he was spending 
so much time trying to make it perfect and wasting time on all these micro details that didn't matter in the long term, he was ending up burning out. And he was doing these 16 hour days. He had uh, like 12 employees. And ultimately uh, for himself, he was losing money every month. And I think it's incredibly challenging when we believe there is one challenge when there's an underlying challenge underneath. And you know, he ended up you know, 10xing his business. And uh, he was out in Bali when all this COVID stuff was going on. I've got to say, I was incredibly jealous seeing him on the beach. I didn't really want to take those video calls. I, I thought I would just do audio. <laughs> but, <laughs> I don't want to see yeah, that, right? Yeah, right. I, mean, I don't want to see that when I'm stuck in, uh, stuck in England. But yeah, ultimately, <laughs> what I think is important is identifying the underlying challenge that, that an entrepreneur has. And I, I see these, you know, these business blocks and these lifestyle blocks that entrepreneurs have, be it these over-controlling behavior. And actually, one that, I, that is actually a really common occurrence, I keep getting out on calls recently, and maybe your audience can relate to this, is, is about overgiving, Because I, when you think of an entrepreneur, they go into business very often because they want to give back and they want to have an impact. But the challenge there is if there's someone who's an overgiver and they're a bit of a people pleaser. And what I tend to find is that a lot of entrepreneurs come to me when they're overwhelmed, when they're burning out, because there's someone that gives so much to other people. They're constantly giving. But what tends to happen is they, they kind of forget about the money. They're not too money savvy. And ultimately, they end up building a great hobby, but kind of burning out in the process and, and being unable to make ends meet. And I I think it's really important as a, as an entrepreneur to be aware that it's important to give, but also to understand that a business, there is that exchange of value and it's important to get right. So when you mean give, can you explain a little bit more? Like I'm, I'm guessing you're not meaning just giving monetarily, but giving like your time. What do you mean? Sure. Let me clarify. Well, what I often find is that entrepreneurs will have multiple different projects on, right? Someone will say, oh, could you help me with uh, this new project I'm launching for an app helping in mental health, right? And they say, oh yeah, of course I will. I'll help with that. And then at the same time, they may have someone else saying, oh, would you mind looking over this and checking out these these marketing materials? And they say, yeah, of course. And then uh, uh, I don't know, a friend says, oh, would you mind helping with this? And what tends to happen is that they spread themselves incredibly thin, and it's important to be able to say yes to some opportunities. But I actually had someone on my podcast the other day, and he was saying that how he overcame this was that if he said yes to someone else, he'd be saying no to himself because of the priorities that he had at present. I think that's really profound to be able to figure out the people that you can help and what you can do to help them, but also not to spread yourself so thin that you can't actually focus on what you need to do to get your business going. That's really good advice. I think a lot of us who are have our own businesses, I think we struggle with that because I think there is a sense of like, I want to help. I want to be involved in all these different projects and I want to you know, have opportunities uh, to do things that you're passionate about. But in the end, I think it comes back down to like, what do you really want to do in your life and how can you be efficient at it and enjoy your life? I think sometimes we don't enjoy our life enough when we're working yeah, so much. I, I couldn't agree more. I, I think the number one thing that I think most entrepreneurs need to do is have more fun because the, the amount of work that entrepreneurs yeah. put into their business and they do that, like, I think it's so important to have fun. And, and even I need to take this advice because usually, and obviously lockdowns play a part in this, but, but mm -hmm. a hobby that I used to have before everything got yeah. shut down was uh, I, I used to do this um, ridiculously fun activity once a month. And it used to, honestly, Darren, I had so much fun, whether it was doing something like the Christmas 
crystal maze or doing like an escape room or bowling or crazy yeah. golf, just something utterly ridiculous out of my comfort zone, not something that I usually do. But doing even just breaking up the months and doing something like that with friends, bonding with people was such a nice way to just recharge. And I was working hard at actually having fun. And, and it was something that I actively did that was really powerful. And obviously everything's on lockdown now, but I still do my best to be able to, you know, have fun gaming with a friend once in a while or, or go for a walk, yeah. do painting, like do something different. And I think that as entrepreneurs, the more we can do that and really energize ourselves, suddenly we can take care of the business and things will happen because we're in the best state to actually run it. Yeah, I think, and this, the lockdowns and COVID has made it very challenging because de depending on where you are in the world and in the United States, what state you're in, it can be very difficult to uh, find things that, you know, you may want to do. It's just not available to you. So I'm hoping 2021 is the beginning of us being able to get back to more things like you just said. So we can get because it's very easy right now to just bury yourself into what you're doing, you know. Yeah, most certainly, and I think the real challenge is when entrepreneurs, uh, especially this year, have a have a challenge, and their income streams are kind of uh, depleted. Mm -hmm. And now suddenly yes. they've got to pivot the business; they've got to do something different. And I can certainly relate to this on many levels. I, like for myself, I used to do loads of speaking, literally you know, every month or so. I used to speak in front of an audience of hundreds of people, and then mm -hmm. I generate loads of leads. Right? I really wouldn't really do that much online. I mean, I post about it, but not too yeah. much. So this year, I completely had to digitalize a lot of my content. I had to change everything that I was doing. But one of the best things that I did was you know taking a step back, hiring you know business coaches that kind of knew exactly what they were doing online and being able to help guide me as opposed to trying to reinvent the wheel. And I think that it is important to be able to take that perspective of, okay, this is going to be a slightly different year to what we're used to, but actively going out of your way to make it a strong foundation and not getting yourself so worked up in the process is very important. And actually, this is one of the things that I think is very important for entrepreneurs is to have that six months of cash flow just in case mm -hmm. these challenges occur. Because what happens is it gives you that buffer where you don't experience so much stress. And obviously, different people have their levels of what they need, be it six months yeah. a year. I have some people that want two years. But ultimately, being able to have that gives you that cushion and that space so that you aren't constantly uh, attempting to do things that can often cause you to feel this overwhelm, this burnout, and ultimately not really enjoy what you're doing. Yeah, most definitely. So do you see like in the future, like as you get back to speaking in person, as we all kind of get back to some semblance of things we did before, do you see utilizing both in-person speaking and digital means as part of your larger deal? Oh, most certainly. I think that I've been really fortunate this year in that by by having so much time in one place, which I've actually kind of enjoyed, Darren, I've got to be honest, I've never <laughs> had such a good routine. It's funny. Yeah. I ended up, you'd think my sleep would get better. I actually had a massive sleep problem for a few months and I had really? no idea why, right? Yeah, yeah, no, honestly, it was crazy. It's just because I wasn't like going to new places, doing new things. It was just the same routine. I think my body just got bored, like just wasn't used to just mm. that one thing. Um, so I ended up, you know, being up in the middle of the night. It was, it was very strange. But uh, I, I sort of that now, yeah, bought a sleep course and figured out a, a better routine uh, for myself. But ultimately, I think that what has been uh, amazing for me and when I look into 2021 
what I did this year was digitalize most of the seminars that I used to run. So I used to run these two-day energy seminars or time efficiency seminars uh, in Shanghai, in China, in, in the UK, in different places. So by digitalizing a lot of my content, it means that I've got more freedom to speak at uh, events about programs that I have. And now I've got a much better ability to actually scale my business that I didn't have before. So I feel very blessed that I've actually laid this very strong foundation to expand. And I think that giving myself that space has meant that I don't have to go traveling. I don't have to mm. do that for business, but now it's more of a choice. And that actually makes me feel uh, much better in that I don't have that pressure to constantly perform at an incredibly high level month in, month out, but I actually have the space to be able to say, you know, I can have a few months off and, and things are going to be absolutely fine, if not better. Do you think that's something you will do once that becomes an op more of an option? Yeah, most certainly. And when I look into, uh, you know, next year, I haven't um, organized any of my, my China tours or, or tours to America as yet. I'm taking my time with it because for me, mm -hmm. I think it's important to you know, get, get the online systems working so that I'm not reliant on other things. Like I've got the scalability there and then ultimately, you know, bringing that into my business to be able to move forward. And I think that for those listening, it's important to see the opportunities that are there in your business and how you can utilize the online world that we're in to really expand moving forward. What do you think has been the, probably the, the biggest challenge with people moving into the online world more often that maybe they weren't doing it as much before? I think that the biggest challenge that, that people face, and I'm not sure you agree with this, is really differentiating yourself from other people. I see, mm. uh, honestly, and I'm, I'm sure you get the same, and obviously we connected on LinkedIn, but yeah. I'm having about 20 people connect with me a day. You know, so many people just with these stereotypical messages, like, oh, I've got offered to buy man. a manufacturing plant in China. And I've got to be honest, I'm kind of flattered with it, apart from the fact that, you know, it was completely irrelevant to what I'm doing. But yeah. you know, ultimately, there is a ton of noise and the hardest thing is being able to grab the right people's attention uh, at the right time and actually doing something that differentiates you. And I think that that's the biggest challenge that people face right now is how do you differentiate yourself from someone else when a lot of what's going on is people judge you by what they see, not the actual skills that you have. And this is where yeah. branding is incredibly important. And that's something that I've really dived into this year is having the right videos, having the right branding so that I, I really stand out compared to another person and they can see the uniqueness and having that USP is, is incredibly important. I mean, what would you say? Uh, I, I would agree with that, actually. I think there's a couple of things there. One, how do you do that? And that I think, but two, how do you do that in a way that feels authentic to you? And that is not breaching an area that you feel like, why am I trying to manipulate this so much? And it doesn't feel like something I want to do. And I think sometimes, like you talked about traveling a lot. I think the online environment's even more dangerous than traveling too much because it becomes this time suck and this hole that you can go into that you don't go anywhere. You're stuck in front of a screen. You're getting bombarded with a lot of noise. And then all of a sudden you, t you pull your head up and you're hours and hours in and nothing's happened for that. And you've missed out on your life. And I actually think it can be a very dangerous environment mentally for us, but it's an environment that we also kind of like need on <laughs> some way too. So I think navigating that is harder than ever, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. And I think that 
you know, what I find fascinating, and I'm very lucky because I get to see, you know, under the hood of a lot of entrepreneurs, and I look mm-hmm. at their social media, and I'm thinking, you know, I appreciate like this person is you know, hustling, but they are posting so many different things. They really have, you know, how much truth is there, you know, in in yeah. in that, and the amount of people that, that you see you know, posting all these videos, uh, you know, especially, you know, loads of different coaches. And I'm sure you get this too. Loads of people like attempting to start out doing different things. And it's, um, it's amazing how much noise there is. And, and I couldn't agree more with the statement that we, we have this information overload and we're starving of wisdom. And what's challenging is that there's so much clickbait that to be able to stand out, you actually have to have these incredible, amazing results compared to other people. But the challenge is how do you differentiate between someone that's got clickbait versus someone that has this consistent um, impact and can actually get you the results that you're looking for as opposed to this just advertisement. And I think this is where the world is moving to building relationships much more with people and having that personal uh, connection and actually going deep with a few people as opposed to having these surface level connections. And I really think that's where the world is moving and that we're going to be so much more reliant on this word of mouth and being able to connect with people and utilizing the networks that we have to really get a better understanding on whether or not someone is legit and is authentic online because as much good as there is being able to meet people online there's also a lot of charlatans as well mm-hmm. yeah definitely it's that's a, a ground that is ripe for lots of misinformation disinformation and people trying to sell you things i mean like i'm on linkedin a decent amount and like yourself i get bombarded every day and most of it is just like somebody trying to sell me something or do leads for me for something of which I have no interest. Um, and, but there's very few reaching out that it feels very human, very, let me get to know you. And I think sometimes that's hard for people because investing in a relationship is a long-term thing. Any relationship you're in, you have to build the time with people. You have to build the trust. You have to do the little things to gain that sense of connection with the person. And if for a lot of people, I think they just don't want to, they don't want to invest in that because that's a, that's a slow sales cycle. That's not something quick. You didn't look at this, you didn't buy it. And I've never been like that. I have no problem taking my time with people. I mean, I think it depends on what your priorities are, you know? Yeah, I definitely agree. And I think that the world has moved into this instant gratification of, yeah, I want things now, as opposed to this long term relationship that you build with people. And you know, I've had people that have known me for years, and then only just get started. And, yeah. and I think it's so important to, to really build up you know, your, your relationships, you have fun, and, and you actually make that human connection, because you, know, you don't sign on businesses, you sign on humans and people. Yes. And, and by building that connection with them, it's incredibly important. And I'd much prefer, and I, I tell all my coaches that I train, I'd much prefer for you to have a deep connection with 50 people than to connect randomly with 500. Because the yeah. people that you genuinely connect with, you'll have such a deeper level of understanding that you can actually provide them with such a bigger impact than you could just all these different people online. And obviously when you're scaling, it's a different matter, but especially when you're starting out, I think building those deep connections is incredibly important. Yeah, most definitely. Well, Ben, thank you so much for spending the time with me and and really kind of having a heart-centered conversation and being open about your life and uh, what you're doing. And you know what I was, I wanted to tell you this before we got off is I appreciated your follow-up. I know sometimes 
you know, people connect on LinkedIn and it's kind of like, Hey, I'd like to connect with you on this. And it, it never comes back. But when I had mentioned like, Oh, maybe in a couple of weeks, well, you know, let's book in a couple of weeks. And then I had some things happen. You were right on top of it. You got back to me in a couple of weeks. You're very about your word. And that I think is a rare quality. So I appreciate you for that. Sure, Darren. Thank you so much. And and I definitely think being on top of your follow-ups is incredibly important with how many people uh, are there in, in the noise. And, and I appreciate you having me on. And I really hope that your audience has benefited uh, somewhat from this conversation. For sure. I, I think they definitely will. Well, thank you for your time and have a good day. So let me ask you something. How do you get your news? Because I know you want to stay informed with what's going on here in the world. There's so much going on on a regular basis. And it's something that's been a problem for me personally. And I've been searching and searching and searching. And finally, I found a news source that I think all of my listeners are going to love. It's called The Donut, or The Dose of News Useful Today. The founder and CEO, Peter Nowak, is a good friend of mine. And when he turned me on to it, I was just blown away. Finally, a daily news source that delivers succinct and factual news about all the world's occurrences. And it's an easy access to finding things that you just want to get information about. And it also serves up a lot of positive news stories that you won't hear anywhere else. It's your daily reminder that there is good in the world, even if it doesn't feel like it sometimes. So get the donut, stay informed. It's 100% free. You can unsubscribe anytime. Visit the donut.co or text donut to 66866 to sign up today. Thank you for listening to this episode of Dr. D's Social Network. Make sure you listen to future episodes. Also, please make sure to rate and review My Dad's Show on Apple Podcasts in the rate and review section. Thanks, everyone.